welcome to Fran Talk, where we discuss all things franchising. Fran Talk is brought to you by Success Franchise Advisors. I'm your host, Mark Stevens. Let's get started. All right. Well, good all afternoon. Right. Uh, Matt, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, uh, advisors, we have Mr. Matt Lovas with uh, TACT Franchising. Um, in its simplest uh, description, TACT is a cleaning business on steroids. Um, a lot of crime scene hoarding when just a normal cleaning cleaning crew won't do. Um, they call in the big guns like TACT. Um, he's got a lot of experience in this industry and has recently launched his own brand after uh, having a good run with a, uh, a previous group. And Matt, thank you again for joining us. I'll let you go ahead and uh, give us the presentation and then we'll probably have a few questions for you at the end. All right, thanks. Um, as, as Mark said, the brand is TACT stands for trauma and casualty team. I get asked that a lot. I probably should to update that. Um, a little bit about me, uh, my history. I was a police officer in the St. Louis area for 10 years uh, before getting into this industry. And as a, as a police officer, I didn't even, I didn't even know that companies did this type of stuff. And it, it seemed like a lot of police officers didn't know that once I got started, but um after getting into this industry it was with another brand, like Mark said, um, I was a, a franchise, one of the first franchises. <clears throat> yeah, grow really quickly um, and purchased a second franchise about six to eight months or so into it and then um, became a master franchise owner, started uh, selling and training my own franchises. Um, all of them started to be pretty successful and I got hired on to be the, the head trainer at the corporate office. Um, a, a little a few years ago, um, got notified that, you know, they were going to be bought out by a private equity company and it worked out a deal to, to get released from my contract and um, start my own company. So I took a lot of the stuff that I thought worked with the industry and then also changed a lot of the things that franchises complained about over the years um the uh what tact is is um like mark said we're we're a cleaning company to state it simply but we're we we do the the things that a lot of people don't want to do so um our top three calls are are suicides undiscovered deaths and uh hoarding um it's a recession-proof business it seems like uh really the the worse the economy gets, the, the better we do, unfortunately. Um, people can start off as a home-based business. You, you don't have to have a storefront or an office. Really, you just need a place to to park a vehicle like a box truck or a trailer sprinter van, something like that, um, and a place to, to store the equipment and the chemicals. So some people do it from their house. Some people get a storage unit. <clears throat> There's a lot of different revenue streams to get into. Um, like I said, the main thing is, is crime scene remediation and hoarding, but we, we also do a bunch of things like medical waste pickups, like, uh, doctor's offices and veterinary clinics, you know, tattoo shops that, that use medical waste. You can start a route picking those things up. Uh, we do sewage backups. We do, you know, drug lab cleanups. Um, I, something that I do a little bit different than uh, the other franchises in this industry is I offer people the option to get into water restoration if they want to at the beginning or uh, down the road if they want to add a, a large revenue stream. 
the these are a lot of the the top calls that we get suicides homicide cleanup um a, a lot of people ask me that if they have a high crime area you guys might get asked that by your uh, prospective candidates we don't really focus on high crime areas just because two things one a lot of the the homicides and um, assaults things like that happen outside and um with my experience, the fire department usually just comes by and sprays down the area with a hose or something, and they're not calling a company like this to come out and clean it up. And also, um, it is expensive work, and and we do usually bill homeowners insurance. So sometimes in the, the high crime areas, there's not homeowners insurance, or they just um, don't even you know want to pay for something like this. So a lot of our stuff is paid for by homeowners insurance. Um, we do odor removal, meaning <clears throat> people, it's usually like a pet odor, you know, like you have people have cats or something that urinate in the house and they can't get rid of the smell or, you know, someone has a place that they rent out and the person smokes in it for years and they can't get rid of the smell. Uh, a lot of emergency vehicle decontamination, like police cars and ambulances, jail cells, same thing. Um, drug labs specifically meth lab. Um, and we, we did do a lot of COVID decontamination. Um, it's another big revenue stream people can get into just uh, virus decontamination in general. Uh, our clients are usually homeowners. Um, we don't really market to insurance companies, uh, unlike other restoration and just like people in the restoration industry market a lot to insurance companies for water restoration. Because usually people call their insurance company um, when they have water damage or a fire. But um, most people don't know that insurance will cover this type of work in their house. So insurance, with our experience, is usually the last to find out that um, the work's been done. So we market a lot to the homeowner. Uh, homeowners meaning we, we advertise online. We don't go around door to door and market to, to homes. But advertise online um property management companies like people who manage apartment buildings police and fire departments uh those are uh, people that refer us a lot um because people are usually asking the police or firefighters or uh, medical examiners coroners the, the funeral home you know after the body's removed who do we call to do this um and you know they can they can refer them to us, pass out our card to them, or, or direct them online to to look us up. Um, that's another thing we we don't ever deal with the actual body when it's there with the, the body's removed, and we just deal with what's left. Some people think that we're you know transporting the bodies and things like that. We don't do that. The typical invoice, which this is kind of low actually, I should probably um, adjust this four to six thousand. Now that was when I started. It's probably more like seven to ten thousand for your insurance jobs um after the pandemic the cost for everything went up you know pp and chemicals and everything so um it's it's a more expensive now uh the typical job can take two to four hours to complete with two or three people um and people pay their tax on average 65 to 125 an hour or so um and most invoices get paid with insurance between 15 and 31 days it just depends on when they send out checks and and when you submit your invoice. The franchise fee, forty thousand four hundred. Royalties are seven percent. National marketing fund of two percent. However, um, 
the, for the first 20 franchises that I get, we're, we're still pretty new. I'm waiving the 2% marketing fund for the, the life of their contract. So um, it's just 7%. The average startup says 103 to 177 and the, the FDD, it's a lot closer to 103. I have to put every possible cost in there. So the 177 is if they decide to do water, restri- water restoration at the same time, uh, from the beginning, because they're gonna have to buy a lot more equipment, another vehicle, you know, more training. Um, but usually people are closer to to 103 to start up because really the only major purchase they have to buy is a vehicle. So it's a, some type of box truck, typically uh, like a 14 to 17 foot used box truck from like U-Haul or budget. Um, it's something different that I do from uh, my previous company and other competitors. I don't mandate what kind of vehicle they get. Um, but it just does need to be something that can do, uh, most jobs. So a trailer, sprinter van, box truck, whatever they prefer. You get expert training from the the beginning. Like you guys heard my history in this, this business. Um, the training I believe is, is really important to the success of the franchises. So there's ongoing training. Um, we're always trying to stay on top of the industry about what's the most up-to-date training they can they can do and they're always coming back to training and we have uh regular calls with the franchises i have one-on-one calls with the franchises they have 24 7 access to me if like an emergency job comes up that they have a question about if they need assistance with billing insurance companies i help them with that um so they really have their handheld um every step of the way um so why tax important in this industry as a franchise, uh, most people, like I was saying in previous slides, don't know who they need to market to. A lot of people think they go to the insurance companies and market or pay for more SEO uh, companies to to up their organic results and things like that. They, this industry is very different than other restoration companies. A lot of people don't know how to invoice properly. That's always changing as well. Uh, the, the insurance company is always changing what they require and what they need and what they'll pay for, what they won't pay for. So some people will, you know, charge too much, too little, or or not know what they can and and can't charge for. A lot of people try to do this on their own. Um, It has a 92% failure rate the first year. Um, It's, there's a a lot of roadblocks when they, when they start out as far as marketing the business and, and contacting the people they need to talk to, to get the referrals they need. Um, and I have no franchise that I've trained has ever failed. Most of the territories in the country are, are open right now because we're so new. Um, you know, we, there's not like one specific city like I really need to open in. But um, these are some of the major cities we're we're looking at right now. Multiple locations at the at the beginning, or or master agreements, or or area developer agreements. And on resales, I'm just telling people we haven't, we haven't had any resales yet, but we're just I'm going to negotiate that whenever we do come across that. The training, the process for TACT is, you know, once we have our initial phone call or two um, and, you know, they they seem like they would be a good candidate, I can send them the FDD and usually there's another uh, couple phone calls. Um, after we have the phone calls and FDD's receipt signed and they, they decide they want to move forward, we have a discovery day, which... I used to, you know, mandate it's in person, but we can 
we could do it on Zoom now as well. So they can choose to do it on Zoom or, or come meet in person in St. Louis. And it would be at that address on the screen. And that address on the screen is also where the classroom training will take place. So once they purchase the franchise, there's five-day classroom training and practical training in St. Louis. Um, you know, we'll, we'll actually get out all the equipment, and the chemicals, and we'll do mock scenes. And, um, you know, they, they'll have hands-on training too, but a lot of it's the classroom training and uh, OSHA certifications and, and things like that. Um, and then another thing that I do that's different from the competition is once they set an opening date, I'll come to their hometown for a couple of days. Um, usually three or four days and help them market the business and introduce them to the people they need to talk to and sign up to be vendors on the vendor list they need to be a part of and things like that. Just to make sure they got the, the marketing stuff down in their actual market. Hey, what I hate to say this morbid, I assume Seattle and Vegas would be great markets because aren't they the two highest suicide rates in the country? Um, I think that varies depending on the city, but um, I know they do have high suicide rates. Um, those are great markets just, you know, based on the population there, the big populations are it, a lot of it comes down to the owner and how hard they're willing to work. So Seattle and Vegas, they're really, they have, they have a lot of jobs for us. There's a big population, but there's also a lot of competition. Um, I, you know, my Houston franchise, Houston's a huge city. So same deal. Um, and he, he, there's a lot of competition there, but he's just somebody who's out willing to outwork everybody. So he, you know, killing it in the first month and hasn't stopped. So, um, there's also benefits to going to smaller locations too. Like we have a, a location in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and he, but he's, you know, the only game in town pretty much. But right. so, yeah, I mean, Seattle, Vegas would be great markets to get into. You just, you know, got to have somebody who's willing to outwork everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is, is reasonable um like how many jobs a week is a reasonable expectation to start and or and grow into mm-hmm. yeah your first year if you're i mean if you're counting even smaller jobs like doing a police car or something like that a couple of jobs a week or it's pretty reasonable i mean if you're doing if you're doing one, I mean, I think my first year, if we were doing one insurance job a week, uh, we were feeling pretty good about that because, you know, seven, eight thousand dollars a week mm-hmm. it was was doing a lot better than I was doing as a police officer. So I was happy with that. But um, there's there's a lot of ups and downs. So the first year, there's a lot of ups and downs. I mean, you could have three or four jobs the first, like in a week and then, you know, it can slow down a lot for a couple of weeks. Just because a lot of the owners, they go out and they, they're really excited to talk about their business. They market a lot and then they start getting calls and then they're busy with jobs and then, you know, they're not marketing. So the calls slow down a little bit. So until you get to the point where you got a crew doing everything and you can market the business full time and do all the administrative stuff, um, it's just a lot of ebbs and flows the first year. Mm-hmm. On something like the, the the cop car thing, can you develop that into a route business, or do they just call you a special case when a junkie's bleeding all over the back seat or something? It's usually just uh, on call when they need it. Um, sometimes, like there's a few departments that we had where they would call us out a couple times a year just to generally decontaminate every single car in the fleet. You know, mm-hmm. we um, would fog every car. We had a fog chemical. We would fog every car and wipe it down and vacuum it out um but usually it's just you know yeah we we 
arresting somebody and you know the dog bit their leg and they're bleeding on the back or we had a drunk guy throw up or you know it's usually those types <laughs> of things yeah. um what would be a a big job in this space i mean a the the shooting at the club in florida would have they've called in somebody like you after the fbi's done doing everything they do the Pulse nightclub? Yeah, yeah, Pulse. That's no? it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was actually the head trainer when the company that cleaned that up uh got that job. So I, I assisted with that over the phone. Um also the Vegas yeah. Mandalay Bay shooting. Uh-huh. I, I helped the owner with that as well. Those those are really big jobs. Um, but that's like the kind of job, yeah, that that type of job is is a huge job to get. And that's where we would get you know, multiple franchise to come in and, and help work on something like that at the same time, instead of just a single office trying to take care of it. Um, how hard is it to, one, find employees for this? I mean, I you and I joke that I love the business. Yeah. I would have to go see a shrink every day. Um, yeah. And so just the, the, the nature of the work, how challenging, and the fact that even though they're paid well, it's not like it's a full-time job for them, is it? Right. Yeah, that that part was really surprising for me when I started, because I was thinking the same thing, just, you know, most people, you know, like you guys probably have always worked full time, like myself, you know, I've always worked full time since I was 15 years old. So I couldn't imagine just getting a call as needed, you know, just I don't know when my next call is coming, I don't know how much money I'm going to make, you know, but I never put out a job at once when I had my franchises, and you would get people calling all the time saying, are you hiring? And, and sometimes they would have other jobs and you could get their schedules and coordinate with them. Sometimes people are just like, you know, I, I can, I can work part-time as needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just available, but you know, people with all different kinds of backgrounds, you know, some people work construction and, um, or they were like temp labor construction. And if, if I called and their other job called at the same day, they would always go with me just cause you know, they're going to make more with me. And it was, probably more interesting work and um but it can turn into like we did have some we like i had a manager for a few years uh working full-time you know on salary so um there can be some full-time positions once you've been established for a while and, and you have enough work and revenue streams coming in but um i never put out job ad i know a lot of people do put out job ads um it's it's not I would say it's not hard to find people that want to do the work because I guess uh, a lot of people think it's, I mean, it is an interesting job. I mean, it's, you know, people ask you what you do and you say crime scene cleanup, but, you know, I think a lot of people <laughs> like to do that work just to have stories to tell. Um, and also, um, you know, it's a, it's, it is a rewarding feeling helping these people, you know, during the worst day of their life. It's, it's a lot of uh, the same rewarding feeling that I get as a police officer. I just tell people you just get paid a lot more now and you don't have to put your life on the line really. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I think just, you know, people like the the work because it is helping people. It is interesting work, you know. Um it's not something that everybody can do, but you, you do get people calling and asking to to see if you're hiring. Um but you know, I, the people that have put out job ads, they get a ton of applicants right away. And it's usually a day or two and they take the ad off because they get so many people applying. Really? 
I would have to guess. I mean, other police officers probably, because I mean, quite commonly they have some kind of side gig, whether it's a security. Mm -hmm. I mean, unfortunately they're not the highest paid dudes on the planet and clearly they've seen this stuff a hundred times before so they can stomach it. Yeah. Yeah. I, they, police officers are, you get two different kinds. It's some police officers like, yeah, they can stomach looking at it, but they don't want to touch it. So, um, and also they, they have a certain policies where they, some departments um, will let them come work for you, but they can't do any work in the city they work in just because it's, you know, they don't want people, they don't want the officers. There's policies that say they can't refer companies to come to work in their town, stuff like that. So even though they do refer people all the time, but as far as, you know, you have to let your your department know if you're working secondary work. And um, so police officers will do the work. Um, I found like we get more officers to do hoarding work than actual crimes and cleanup work. Um, you just have to work on their schedules and, and find them when they have their days off firefighters they're they have no problem doing the cleanups and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, you can get off duty firefighters and police officers to work in it as a good way to, to market the business too. Yeah, I can see that. Do uh, your owners actually go in and do the work, or are they strictly on the business? It's it's both. Um, some of them from the beginning want to do all the jobs and learn how to do everything, so they can you know teach their employees what to do. Some people hire people right from the start, mm-hmm. but I, I try to train all of them for at least by the first year to to not be going on the jobs anymore, so the business can grow. What does uh, the typical work week for the owner look like? I mean, are they they just out there dropping off donuts to fire departments and police stations? And the, yeah, the first year I tell them, if you're not on a job that day, you should be out marketing you know, Monday mm-hmm. through Friday. So um, we have a couple of days of marketing training uh, in the St. Louis classroom stuff. And then, you know, we, I try to talk to them when they're new, at least for the first three to six months at the beginning of the week and the end of the week about, you know, what's your marketing plan for the week and how did it go at the end of the week? Um, but yeah, it's usually, it's a lot of marketing. Um, and then if you're on a job, I, I try to tell them if you can't market and do the invoicing and calling in insurance claims and stuff at night or early in the morning, do it then. But yeah, marketing is your main, your main time spent the first year is marketing. Mm-hmm. Customers in this space, do they shop you or is it whoever's the first one they call typically like a water restoration piece? People don't, people yeah. don't price shop in that, right? Typically not. No, it's, it's usually they either get told by the police officers or somebody like this is who you should call mm-hmm. or they Google us and they just call. I mean, if it's a suicide or something like that, because I mean, it, if they, their loved one just commits suicide, they're, they're usually not shopping around. It does happen occasionally, and it's usually when they don't have insurance. But if we get that first call and we tell them, you know, we're not going to ask you for any money today. We're just going to come do the work and bill your insurance directly, and then you know we can deal with that stuff later. Mm-hmm. They're usually not going to call around and and ask for other people. Is it the kind of a job where they call and you come running, or they call and you will be there in the morning? Uh, it's both. We, we when I train them on how to handle phone calls, <clears throat> I give, give them a question to ask the caller of when do you want us to come out, and I always tell them be prepared to come out right away because um, some people might ask you to do that. But 
um, most people respond with, you know, your next appointment or, or whenever you can. Um, and we, we offer to come out right away, but some people just, if it happens like later in the evening or something, sometimes they don't want to deal with it till the next morning. So it's, it's, up, we leave it up to the caller to tell us when they want us out there. Uh, I would ask Matt, what's the, you know, in that first year, what's the hardest thing that people are going to face if they're going to. I think it's, I mean, if it's for, I mean, most people I find that come into this business, they have had a regular nine to five job. It's rare that I get somebody that was a previous business owner and understands the ups and downs and inconsistencies about owning a business. Um, I think that's the hardest thing for them to get used to is just sometimes like having a week where you're making $20,000 and then, oh, I don't, the phone didn't ring at all the next week. Just getting used to that feeling of, uh, I know the phone didn't ring, but it's going to ring again. Like, you know, that type mm-hmm. of feeling for the first year or so. Um, does it ever uh, make you feel guilty that you're sitting around hoping somebody shot somebody? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. That's a good question. I get that. I get asked that a lot, but no, I don't um, No, Cause we, we go there to help people. Um, and, you know, it's just like, I, I think this, I did have that thought before and I was thinking, well, you know, people, I, do, do funeral homes feel bad about it or hospitals? Like, you know, we didn't cause it. We're just trying to help them get through the process a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. This concludes today's episode of Fran Talk with Success Franchise Advisors. Hey, if you're serious about exploring franchising, we'd love to talk to you. For your complimentary, no obligation consultation, feel free to reach out anytime at info at successfran.net or visit us on the web at www.successfranchiseadvisors.com. As always, thanks for tuning in.